Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> The beat goes on The beat goes on Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain La-da-da-da-dee La-da-da-da-da Charleston was once the rage Denise is going to be 
carrying.
stuff like that. And uh, and then uh, uh, the Italian family, this family was Jewish, Italian, and black. And the Italian families growing up, it was custom. When we were little children, there was always a gray bottle on the table. Gray bottle. And what it was, it was homemade on the deck. So the Italian people would go to the Italian market and they would get block of licorice, and uh, they would buy the children alcohol, and then they would slowly cook it, slowly cook it, to make the anisette. So we, we grew up with that anisette on the table. So you might be about eight, nine years old, and you got to go to school, and your grandmother made you a big cup of tea, you got a shot on it. <laughs>
my upbringing. So, you know, you just help others that we're doing now. Here at Cafe, you know, we're here to help people. It's not about me. And I haven't left the stage since Joe knows that. I haven't left the stage that. You know, I mean, they're better in all, they're in all as I speak, and their mouths are gapped as I speak, but I always stop in mid-stride, and I say, you know, leave my message. Don't worry about me. Because better men and women the guy that takes it Yeah, there are people that, as well, you know, but I don't know about Everybody thinks prison is, is a man, man thing. It's not. Mm-hmm. Women have suffered just as much. Mm-hmm. Joe, Joe's know that. You and you know that. Some women have suffered just as much as men. Mm-hmm. Well, the part, the part that makes that makes it the hardest for me is uh, you serve time for doing good. You, you know, you get you know, like you, your money went to do good. It's not like you, but you're saying like you were a, a, a money hungry club well, that was just out know, there trying to make himself a rich. My my first, uh, I was the first person ever. Uh, prisoner designated to Marion, Illinois. Marion, Illinois was actually the worst prison America had to offer. And a lot of people don't know, 70% of Marion were state prisoners in a state that didn't have maximum security prisons. They they had these guys that had no prisons to put them. They couldn't control them. So that's where Marion, actually the states like New Hampshire, Connecticut, States like that, they're small states. They would pay, the governor's office would pay to keep these these violent prisoners there because they had nowhere to put them. So, lo and behold, I I come there, nine, nine violent first offenses, the worst prison in America. Everyone had repeated offenses, everyone had murders. I, I think out of 370, maybe five or six didn't have murders inside or out. There's a movie of yeah, you can see these characters. There's a documentary on the Aryan Brotherhood, the original Aryan Brotherhood, Barry Mills, T.D. Bingham, and then you have the original Mexican Mafia, the Champ, and Black Bob. These were these were the guys that uh, uh, you know I got to meet, I befriended, and they befriended I, whatever. Anyway, I had more time than them. Uh, yeah. Everyone over broke. Wow, totally unfathomable. Like, Everyone I, I, I just can't even okay, right. You know, to, to, to address that, we have a, one of the prisoners that we work with. You know, you mentioned the Human Solution, and that, that's actually the organization that puts the show on, and, and that's, you know, a big part of my artwork in the world. And uh, on our regular Wednesday show, uh, Craig Cecil, who's also serving a life sentence for cannabis, uh, he calls in every week. And one of the things that he had said uh, is, I wish they would just treat you like a violent criminal because then I'd have a way out of here. Because, you know, you get life without parole, that's what that means. That means you don't have a chance to get out. And he's a nonviolent first offender. doesn't have a victim. And, and, And he's one of so many. It's not like he's the only one out there. He's one of so many. And, George, you were at that time... One of one of the lifers that we used right. to call you. I can't even imagine that I've got a term lifer yeah. for a guy yeah. who's convicted of a cannabis crime. Does not make sense? It's hard to it's hard. You know, I do follow up always up towards the end of the show. Greg's usually all the four minutes. So it's very difficult to hear that voice of this good guy. Just languishing there, languishing there. Doesn't make sense. Don't make a bit of sense. And, you know, it kills me. Congress knows it doesn't. That, that, that's how they know. The judges know. But, you know, no, in, this, in, in our country, I, would, uh, I don't want to get into any law on the show, but, you know, they just they worry about setting case law. Your case is going to open a floodgate if we give you a break. We decide this with you. It's going to be a floodgate. I, I mean, I got hit with that more time, but. It, it's not, they don't look at it as, as a light. They do not look at it. The courts do not, they look at it as black and white matters. Right. Hey, that's right. It's and a straight business to them. And, and every so, so, so they're not going to get in that effort. There's just no room for right and wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't get out of it. There's no room for it. 
you can't get out, you can't get out, you have to stay the course. Wow. You have intelligence. Yeah. You get out, they want you to get out. They want you to do a stupid act. Yeah. And then you say, you see why we didn't let them out? Right, right. Yeah. right. That's right. So, you know, they want you. You have to stay the course. And I graduated over 8,000 <laughs> students just that matter. Stay course. Mm-hmm. You know, going and joining a gang and get involved in that uh, horrific gang activity on the prison compound, you will die here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a way out. There is a way out. So, you know, you just, you do the best you can with the little you have, but you have to do the best you can. Well, you know, your story is one of, of um, not only perseverance, because perseverance kind of, kind of indicates that you just put up with something. But you took that situation that was a situation that would break most people. And when I say most people, I mean probably, you know, 99 yeah. some percentage of people yeah. faced with what you were faced with would break. And, and as you said, become angry, bitter, violence, and all of the things that come along with it. But instead of just persevering, you flipped it around and you controlled it. You owned it. And you took that experience, not only keep yourself strong, make yourself better, but make people around you better. You have a legacy in that prison or those series of prisons. Not one prison, you were in prisons all over the country. They moved you around from one place to the next. But wherever you went, you brought education and hope and inspiration. And you created a legacy of this and it wasn't that you got out because you were lucky and it wasn't that you got out because some president gave you a pardon you got out because you persevered and you stayed the course and you stayed smart and you kept trying and you fought and you fought and you fought and you fought and every day you got out there and you kept fighting until you found a way out you know I got out basically to the Holloway case uh, which I initiated in the Navy, yeah, any any initiation I did with the courts or whatever, you had to be truthful. You'll never, and that's what I used to teach my students, you'll ever falsify anything going into the court. If you falsify, falsify an ad or this or a button, you, 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 you get denied. So you had to go in. So I created the Holloway case, John Holloway. He was actually a second offender. I like John. He was from New York. And, um, and he had just been in 22 years and just lost his last all around. Basically, he was, he was there until he died. And he was a guy who used to come help me set up the classroom, you know, make my copies, help me with the blackboard, this and that. And he was torturing me. He was torturing me for weeks. I, you got to help. I'm through. I lost everything. You got to do something. And finally, it was, I never forget, it was a bad storm. I knew the classes wasn't going to show up. So it's a violent storm of the Florida prison. And he was there. And I said, you know what? What's your judge's name? Give me the judge's name. Judge Gleason. He was John Gotti's prosecutor. And which, which uh, uh, it made him up. From that case, he wound up being uh, appeals judge. Catapult him to be appeals judge. And I wrote the judge just like I'm telling this show. I got tired of hearing this guy. He's a really good guy. And one guy helped me in my class. And he's at his wit's end. His mother's ready to die, this and that. And when you write a letter to the judge, it has absolutely no merit. No merit. It has to be emotion. It has to be emotion titled by uh, and having an emotion to get you hurt. Letters do not get you anywhere. And I explained it to John. I said, I'm writing this letter, and it is not going to go anywhere. It was just one of them nights that I'm a writer, so I had a good feel. You know, the wind was blowing. It was very hot. It quiet, and I wrote this one page tight letter. Mm-hmm. So, and I said, God damn it, letter. And Believe me, I think it's not more nowhere. Not more nowhere. About a month later, three weeks, a month later, he comes running in. 
I got I got a hearing. I got a hearing. I says, you have you don't understand what I meant. You have a doctor no. In order for you to get a hearing, you have to be doctored. I said, you have Calm down. <laughs> I find out he does have a doctor. Make long story short, this said Mason told me she wound up becoming Attorney General in Obama. Leach. Leach or Leach. She was head prosecutor in Manhattan. She wound up becoming Attorney General. Leach. He had to go along with it, but she didn't want to go along. She told the judge, this is, I will not set this president. So the judge says, well, then I heard, and I'm going to grant him a new, a new trial in 2255. And she panicked. They didn't want that, because that was even worse. So they says, okay, we'll let him on an isolated situation. We'll let him out. So they let him out. <laughs> I'm walking him to R&D. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm, I got him out. I'm walking in my ID and I'm looking at him. And I told him, I said, if you ever come back to jail from doing wrong, harming another, you won't be in jail that you can be at. You will do the rest of your time. I will see that you run off every compound. I won't hurt you, but you will not be on the compound. You put a big break. I will know if you come back. He gave me his word, and he went out, and he was doing the productive life. So long story short, a couple of weeks go by. I'm laying on my bunk, looking up at the ceiling, and, uh, and uh, I'm saying to myself, well, guess what? Maybe I will write a letter. Well, I had a different circuit. I'm in the third circuit. It's a city. It was in New York. Different. So what did I do? I wrote to Judge a one great time telling the story that I just told you. Your Honor, I listened to I got this guy out. And my prison record is stellar. <coughs> so I write the letter. In prison, you have a little, little metal vest in your cell. And uh, I, used to do, I used to keep me alone. One thing in prison did, if I had so many students, I paperwork. It was difficult to put another. I had boxes and boxes and files. And then I was on my little steel desk. It was about a week, week and a half. It's got bulky stains on it. There's just spaghetti stains on it. It's just laying there. And I'll never forget one Sunday morning, a buddy of mine from Oklahoma, he said, when are you going to have me that letter? He said, it's going to go nowhere. He said, well, listen, I live downstairs. I live in the house of the chair of the cell block. I'll put it in the mail when I go there. I said, so I put a stamp on it. I said, mail the damn thing. Sure enough, <laughs> three weeks later, my lawyers had called the prison down out. I call. I finally get to What do you want? What do you just want? You got a hearing. You got a docking number. You got a hearing on the hallway. And that's how I read that one. That's how I read that one. That is true. That is. From being, the essence of it, from being, taking time out to being kind to the mother. Mm-hmm. That's right. Positive being positive. So that's one of the things that I, I kind of wanted to lead to. So, you know, a couple, it's been, what, three years now since you got out. It's about three years. And uh, I can remember hearing that you were getting out. You know, you and I had been talking for a few years before that. We've known each other for six six years or so. And uh, my case was finally over, and you had helped me celebrate my freedom a little bit while you were still locked up. But I told you the day I met you on the phone, I said, you know, one day you and I are going to hang out together. Mm -hmm. I knew it, and, and I before you even had a chance to get out. I said, one day you and I are going to hang out together. <laughs> and uh, three, three, four years later, you showed up at my door. <laughs> and you hung out with me for a little while. Oh, one of my favorite <laughs> things was Joe's. Uh, oh, gosh. He yeah. garden there in uh, uh, Southern California there to hang out. I just love it. I just love it. I used to be crying. Uh, me too. He couldn't figure out. I get up early and I go to federal. 
the reason I wanted to go to bed early because I wanted to sleep four or five hours and then like one morning you would hear this music. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Music would tire.
uh, up in New York. And uh, you, why don't you tell us just a second about some of the folks that have come into your place and told you about, you know, how this planet's changed their lives. Yeah. Cannabis is part of my whole life. I mean, uh, 
you know, um, you know, every every teenager, uh, you know, you go through your you go through your mental anguish. You know, I had mental anguish as a teenager. So uh, me as a teenager, I, you know, I got introduced to uh, uh, marijuana at 15 and 16, and it was a part of my life. And the sad part, you know, I went away at 31, and I couldn't. I, even though you know, there's imprisonment in America, abandoned now, it doesn't have. Marijuana on the in, in prison compound. No, they all had it, but I, I couldn't have done much as I wanted to. I couldn't have done because of, uh, I had so many uh, uh, responsibilities as a mentor educator. And if you got jammed up, you get thrown in the hole. And no matter how much good you do, once you, you get prison, authorities give you one chance. If I screwed up, then I couldn't continue to help you. So, and then uh, I finally get out. And uh, couldn't even indulge then because I was on paper. And then I finally got off the paper. And then guess what? And the day go by, I'm not an indulger. <laughs> I, I, I can testify to that. <laughs> and my dudes, I, that's I, right. I'm glad to be a part of all that indulgence. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, George, this is one of the things that, that I struggle with. And, I, and I'll, I'll struggle with it until we get where we're going. That's what struggles for us to push things forward. But, you know, when we talk about any prohibition, you know, we're not talking just about passing some law to let some people do some things. We're talking about creating a world where you can't be locked up for this plant anymore. You know, if there's not not a violent or violence or a victim. You know, I'm not saying that you can't have a situation where somebody is using cannabis to harm somebody and they blame the cannabis. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about cultivation, possession, transportation, sale, conspiracy to do any of those things, just the act of growing, having, or making something with this plant. And yet, across the country, we're passing these laws, and these laws are allowing certain people to do certain things. And the cannabis movement um, has, has, I don't know, I think it's always kind of been a legalization movement rather than an anti-prohibition movement. And I, and I want to clarify that those two things are not not the same. And I, there's a smaller group inside of the cannabis movement that is about repeal and about, um, you know, decriminalization. And I think that that's more of the conversation that I, I want to have. And, and, you know, what do you feel about, you know, so many people, especially in California and Colorado, Washington, Oregon, the places that have already done it so people believe. Um, and you ask somebody about, hey, you want to help me end prohibition? And they're like, ah, oh, we're already done. We're good. Um you know, what do you think about uh, a message to get to people that says, look, we got to end this all together. We can't have kids. You're never done. You're never done until the last poor soul he or she's out of jail. That's It's never done. And I pray that when Congress does uh, uh, take the vote to uh, drop uh, candidates from the Schedule 1, the marijuana from the Schedule 1 archive, that they use the word retroactive. If not, the poor souls... Uh, Pedro talked about this yesterday. He or she will still be in, and then yeah. he or have a formula for that. There is an avenue you can go back to the judge, but it's not going to be an overnight avenue. So if they don't, they make cannabis totally illegal, they don't use the word retroactive. There's going to be still people using for it, which is, uh, doesn't make any sense. But even then, it's because it's legal. The battle's not over no. until everyone is out. Then the battle's over. Now I have a plan. I have a. I have a. I know a legal some legal procedures we can do, and hopefully they'll do it. And we're going to put it up on the Human Solutions website, but they can just download their families, whoever friends or families can just download the motion. Exactly. Just download the motion. Just sign it. Right. Mm-hmm. And sign it right in. You still have to. Um, keep fighting. I just pray they use the word retroactive. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, and that's, I think the part that is so important is that, you know, we talk about people and the human solution, and that's, that's the important part is that we all have to, uh, you know, try to be aware or, or educate people. That's what this organization is about, is education and support. we got to support the people that, that are fallen, the people that are, that are uh, facing charges even today. We have case that a jury's out on today, right now. And, you know, there's people in the community that say, well, we shouldn't support this person because this, that, or the other thing. 
And I just want to remind people that, you know, this isn't about judging a person's character. This isn't about whatever else somebody else may or might have done. This is about making a real change in our society that, that has criminalized an act that shouldn't be a criminal. You know, there was a time in our nation's history where it was a crime to be a certain color. There was, there's, there's been criminal acts that have been, it's been a crime to, to be in love with or try to marry a certain person or to act a certain way with the person. And, and those were criminal acts at the time. And one day we woke up and said, wow, that's not right. We need to change it. Well, guess what? This isn't right, too. And we need, and we need to, change to change it. it. And we need to change it. So, Pete, Helen, you guys came down from New York. You just drove a long way as well. And you guys have been uh, active leaders in the human solution now for a little while. And you guys have been activists for a long time. And you're also involved with the medical cannabis community and some of these products that we're talking about. So, you know, you guys have been very passionate for a long time about how you feel about all of this. And, and you know, what what do you think it's going to take us to get to the end? I mean, we're all here together today because we believe strongly in this and that we love each other and we're here it's to be there for each other. It's going to take more of this. So, and it's going to take you know, actually do. I mean, we, have, we, we can't will and want things and sit home and rub a lamp and think something's going to happen. Action still needs to be taken. And unfortunately, still we stand in a community that, like, you know, 3% of us, you know, do all the running for the 97 other ones. It's an unfortunate thing. Do we ever drop the ball and keep or stop? No, we got to go and we try to pick something along the way and haul them with us. So how it'll stop or how we can come to a solution, come to a conclusion, is for everybody, the 60-some percent of Americans, that can say, no, this is unfair, we need this, this is what we want to do. So just actually do and take an action, like you're saying. It has to be action, and it has to be involved. Uh, we make it simple. You know, if you go to the right, international legislative doors, scream, holler, it's, it's just unjust. It's not right. It's got to change. And it's, what's, wrong, what's wrong is wrong. What's right is right. Can we make it very simple, though, for people to be involved, though, especially in the human solution, you know, G-H-S-I-N-T-L.org. Go there. There's a membership. Then there's yeah. a, uh, a membership and a, uh, a, uh, a donation tab. It, it, it's very simple, $4.20 a month if you're a single human being, 630 for a family. It's affordable. It's very simple. But that money goes in just to help us. None of us get paid for any of this. And this is what we do because we believe. It pays for materials, for printed materials and for such. Uh, but it's a very simple and easy way to be involved and be a voice. But understand what we stand for. And that is, like Joe said, we want to end prohibition. We don't want to keep legalizing and regulating and getting crumbs and saying, time is done. Every, listen, it, you know, the World Health Organization is now rescheduled THC to the same schedule, Schedule 4 on there, uh, uh, or Schedule 1 on there, Stromophore, with CBD. Why? Because they said if we can accept them, just trace them out from hemp, you're accepting the cannabinoid. How can we determine that this idea? So the acceptance of of that, that's coming. So it's just another crumb. Is it a step in the big world of, of medicine and whatever? Admission? Yeah, admission. But action needs to be taken. And that's what we Absolutely. Well, George, you know, I'm excited because not only are you bringing this dream to life, but in my opinion, you know, what they got me, which of course can't even compare the two cases, but I never stopped doing what I do, and, you know, the second I got freed up, I jumped right back into it. Here you are, 32 years later, and you got that same leaf on, on the front of your store as they threw you, as they threw you away for it. So that, that's got to feel extra special as a, as a bit of an outlaw soul. Well, I never uh, – you just you, – you just, um, you know, so many people like yourself, your organization, and so many, you, you just can't let the people that came to your aid, you can't let them down. Uh, there's an individual, I don't want to give his name right now, but uh, he has a very hit movie. Uh, the movie's uh, still doing well today, and he just didn't come out and do the right thing. He let us all down. That's, that's, uh, that's not going to happen to me or... These people, you just 
You have to be an example. You have to be an example, whether how small or how large. But be an example. Things can change. I'm praying to open up a hip hop cafe in Washington, D.C. And everyone thinks it's for uh, a lucrative thing to have another business. No. I want to open up in Washington, D.C. because I want to be there to meet the people that the decision-making factors, mm-hmm. congressional or senatorial, and then get to know them and they get to know me. Yeah. And hopefully I can get to speak in front of some sub- yeah. uh, congressional subcommittees. So mm-hmm. that's my main reason for opening in Washington, D.C., yeah. to, uh, to get people to listen. Because, you know, we're uh, getting short times coming with this cannabis is going to be a drop from the schedule. Marijuana is going to be dropped from the schedule. And again, I'm worried about the poor souls that are going to be left in there. You know, it's, uh, yeah, so that's my, I'm trying to have a big meeting in Jacksonville for finances, and that's my main, main topic is to uh, open up in Washington, D.C. But I have to show you something. I have to say we're going to make an awful lot of money. Because Washington, D.C., this economy has the, probably the best uh, marijuana laws in the country. It is. They have the best one. So, you know, by opening up there, I went to my selfish reason, and I use the word selfish the integrity is to be able to meet those people in the decision making practice and politics. So, hopefully, I understand. Don't go. Don't leave these people in there. They've been there a very long time. One more day is Go on with your life. And these four souls that have children, that have loved ones, etc., they're going to be left there. Mm-hmm. So, I'm adamant about that. Because you've been speaking pretty much nonstop since you uh, got out. And I've watched you kind of go around, whether it's on your little uh, vignette videos that you do, or you've done uh, uh, interviews all over the country. I've seen you get up on stages, and you, know, you, you come on my show every week, and you have a little message for everybody. Um, you know, and part of the message is, is we've got to communicate, we've got to talk to each other, we've got to be there for each other. Um, but do you have one central theme that you talk about every time, or do you do you have so many messages that each time you come and bring something individual? How do you do it? Have well, you, I try to, well, I try to understand my audience. Everybody's message to be You know, you have to be pleasing. You have to be pleasing for your message to be accepted. And it has in the state. I lost count of the stages as well. And they always tell me, oh, oh, what a great speech. And if I like to hear the and I answer, oh, that's not the great, great speech. That's what you mean. Well, the great speech is uh, going into the prison yard, maximum security prison. At the gang, maybe 100 guys. Within that gang is a hit squad. One nod from the shot board, they will kill you right there. And I do that. And it's on the cameras only enough because none of them are ever getting out. And I have to give a speech to save a guy's life that's totally wrong. That's the speech. And I did that more than once. So I told that's the speech. But I don't really that to any individuals. Like good people like you walk up to me and they say that's a great speech and then I'll I'll say that no that's not the great speech mm-hmm. great speech is what I just related well I think it's it's so important that uh, those of us anybody that has the ability to reach an audience uh, for whatever reason maybe you um, have been given a gift of, of, of some notoriety or fame or maybe you are just so passionate about something you just talk whatever you are. I think we all have sort of a, a bit of all of that in us, and that's why we, we find ourselves in a situation. But you've got kind of a combination of the two through your life experience and the history and, and, and what you've done with your life. Uh, you've, you've achieved notoriety both in the community and in, in, the, in the greater community of art. And I, I know that you've taken on some, uh, some pet projects, um, and you've got a, a sort of a, a, an anti-violence again uh you know, a project that you've been touting. Well, tell us a little bit about that. Well, you get, you know, it's, you know, you get busy. You get busy. I'm getting busy. You know, things are popping all over the country. But I, 
I'm trained as an intervention dash specialist. An intervention dash specialist means that you get involved in someone's she's particular veterinary. So and that, all of this is giving some of your time. I don't care how busy I am. I don't care if I have to walk into the investors meeting with some big wigs. I can stop at the hall and quite walk in there and I can get 10 minutes of someone that's ready. Mm-hmm. So you have to get uh, yourself. And, and, and believe me, a few words at uh, the right person at the right time can be life or death. I had a situation here about two weeks ago. Uh, with uh, an individual whose both parents committed suicide to his DNA. And uh, he was, I took one look at his face and resulted to it. He was nice. And I had many partners take that. So, you know what I did? Yeah. No, I didn't care because you were with me. Okay. I went to where he worked. I told his forces, he's with me today, possibly tomorrow. I knew it would take hours because mm-hmm. he's with me. You understand? Mm-hmm. Whatever money's involved, or you lose money, he's with me. And he, I administrated him for a couple of days, and he's okay. Okay. But I, I hope, probably for the current, yeah, because it's in, it's in the DNA. It's sad. So, and there's many people like that. You have to stop. And and, and if, you're, if you're in a good mood, you might not want to stop. If you're in a bad mood, but you have to, you have to give up the show. You know, one of Bravis is one of my uh, favorite stories. Bravis was, he was murderer of thief, and he gave the crowd when they had, when they were uh, want to crucify our Lord, they had a choice. It was a day if you were, the crowd was able to free one person. So they orchestrated, they bribed the crowd to free Bravis. And Bravis thought he was. He, he was a great winner that day. He was going to be on to go murder people, rob people, and be that character. But something in him, something in him changed him. And he went on to help others. So, you know, there's no, there's no way that you can not stop what you're doing and help another. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. And I think that people, people don't necessarily realize that your day-to-day actions affect people in a profound way, and I've had people over the years come and, you know, give me a call or, or reach out to me and say, you know, that thing you said that one time, and I took it with me and it changed something I did, or, or I watched you do that thing, whatever it was, it doesn't matter. You don't know you're doing it because you're just you're doing what you're doing. But, but remember, whether it's a good or bad, every time you smile, every time you frown, every time you laugh, Every time you growl at somebody, whatever it is, you're affecting everybody around yeah. you. Yeah. And it could be in a positive or a negative way. And I think that that's important, just being aware that we affect everybody. Now, George, we've got a couple of minutes left, and this is something that I, I always, you know, think about. What creative beings. You're a very creative being. You've written countless stories and poems, and, and you created your way out of your mess. created your way into it, too, but you created your way out of it. <laughs> But that's the truth is you've owned, you've owned your life. You've owned your, your thoughts and your actions and everything. And that's important, I think, for leaders to, to own everything that we do. When we screw up, we screw up when we, when we, when we find a way through it. And now you're in a, in, a, in a unique spot in your life. It's, it's kind of like the sky's the limit. You can do anything now. You, you have at your fingertips the ability to make your dreams come true. And you're doing it. And so what's, what's the next you know, your look like for you. Well, my next thing is I'm, I want to open up many more internet chat days for the sole purpose of creating a lot of jobs and, and, and putting people's lives in order and helps other people. So it's, it's, you know, playful. That's the call. I have 100 of these cafes and, you know, toy a lot of people and they can have a life. And that's about it. About it. You <laughs> You use your concept of balance. How cool would it be for them people to get out of this and maybe it will work for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I, I'm a firm believer if, if we think it and we say it, it can happen. Yeah, it's not a job. Self-hearted, self-minded people think. Yeah. When you've got guys who come out of prison and they want help, I ask to see their prison jacket. I want to see your file. Don't tell me you don't have it. Right. 
When you go out of prison, you got to yeah. pay for it. Yeah. I want to see the fire. I want to see what they're doing. I want to see what you get. Yeah. Okay, now, it's something I dislike, then I tell them, well, just because you're out doesn't mean you're going to go. You have to go back to program. Yeah. There's plenty of programs out there. So, I'm not, I'm very stringent. Let me, let me see your file. Let me see what you can do. And if I read and I think he's, he or she's been working hard to change, then I give all my But I don't, I don't throw them aside. If they, the prison record wasn't what I like, then I have to give them the program. Right. Well, there you go. You have to play, you have to play your part. That's right. Everybody has self-accountability. That's so true. Well, that's about the time we have today, Judge, and uh, I just want to thank you for, for being here and uh, making it so that I can come out and visit. But it's not about me. I, I want to say this program is not about me. It's about these wonderful people that drove long hours to come here. So I'm so humble. I didn't oh, know. God, I didn't know so glad. When Joe said he was doing the show, I didn't know you guys were coming this year. Uh-huh. We always have a trip to our <laughs> really well, that's it. It's not about me. This is truly the human solution, folks. Yes, and good folks coming together to do good things and uh, make the world better than we found it. So on that note, I thank you all for being here. We're going to run a uh, rerun tomorrow. And we'll see you all next Wednesday. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.